What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, aka Kilgallen's Pub. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. As always, thank you to my Patreon subscribers. You all are fantastic. Got some stuff I'm posting. I just posted a little something today for you if you're checking it out. Or no, yesterday I posted it. Sorry, this is coming out on Thursday, October 21st. I'm recording it Thursday, October 20th. For those of you listening for the very first time, welcome. I'm a stand-up comedian based out of Chicago, Illinois. Travel all over the country. Just headlined CG's Comedy Club on Bowling Brook, Illinois. I said Bowling Brooks, Illinois, like a dipshit. Bowling Brook, Illinois, by the way, made national news because a dude named Peterson, who was like an ex-cop or was a cop, killed his wife. Like his wife was missing, and everyone's like, what the hell happened to her? And it was a big thing. And I know there's 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 a lot of Petersons who kill people over the world. I think she was a Stacy Peterson. There was a Lacey Peterson who got killed. If you're a Peterson and your name is a Lacey, Stacy, JC, you're gonna fucking die. I think that's what's gonna happen. Your significant other will kill you. Know that. So anyway, while they're looking for her, someone's like, hey, you know, his ex-wife also died. And like, oh, she drowned in a tub. And they're like, maybe we should look into that shit. Cause this dude's acting fucking weird, right? They looked into it and they're like, oh yeah, she cracked her skull. What who drowns in a tub that way? You know what I mean? You could slip on the tub, but you don't, you're not cracking your skull that hard. I don't know, unless you got like bath salts in there, but don't fuck with bath salts. You lick them, you're fucking eating zombies and shit. It's weird. Let's get to the point though. I wanted to thank everyone in Bolingbroke, but I know I got national listeners who are like, where's Bolingbroke? The point is, it's a lovely area. They had a bad cop. He's in jail, hopefully for the rest of his life. Real fat dude with a mustache. I don't know how he kept pulling ass because the two girls he murdered look pretty decent. Did I make it weird by talking about how attractive the dead women were? I may have, and I'm sorry for that. This isn't scripted, everybody. Don't try to get me in trouble. But let me tell you this. I did have this story on my mind. And the shows were amazing. It's a great club. Um, Really excited where a lot of the new stuff's going. So, again, thank you to everyone who supports the comedy. Again, if you're new to the podcast, check out the YouTube channel. Thanks to the subscribers there. Uh, It's YouTube.com slash Joe Kilgallen. I've got hours of stand-up comedy content. Now, I was at a bar not too long ago. And... Had two two female bartenders, and I got I got caught guys. Uh, they were both uh, you know late twenties or whatever, maybe thirties, and late twenties doesn't matter, right? And the bar had a mirror behind it. Now I didn't mean to. I'm not I'm not one of those guys. I'm not like oogling, but uh, you know I gave the money for my drink. And it was a Guinness, so there's a wait time when you order a Guinness. You don't just pour Guinness in one shot. You fill a Guinness about three quarters of the way. You wait a good 45 seconds at least, I'd say. You come back, you tilt the glass, fill it the right the rest of the way up, has that nice creamy Guinness head. Creamy Guinness head sounds sexual. You know what I'm saying, though. And uh when I went to pay, she turned it around, put the money in the register. There's a mirror there. I I was I locked eyes with her with her buttocks. And uh and it and it was they were nice. They they could you call it butts they? Because I'm thinking two cheeks. That's why I gave them plural. But it was nice. It was it was nice. It was a nice spot. All right. I'm look, I'm a happily married man, of course, but I do have eyeballs, right? And I, I noticed, and she noticed me looking off the mirror. And I remember just being like, damn it. Now I see I know why bars put the mirror there. So when they turn around, they're not seeing people stealing or doing lines of coke real fast. But it's just one of those things where when she turned back around, I kind of played it off. But I wanted to just be like, I know you saw. Okay. Look, you caught me. Is is that a crime? I'm not. You know what I mean? I'm not going like okay, honka honka. I'm not being, I, I casually glanced and, and you know what you're doing. You know, if I, if some woman, if I saw some woman glancing, I got this one pair of pants, I'll rock. They're tight, you know, but not like too tight. And they're very flattering in, in a certain region. If I saw a glance down that way and I caught them, I, w- I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, 
You're welcome. I could I could tell you you enjoyed that. I'm sure there was some curiosity there. Not not on the table, of course. I mean, I could put it on a table, but not on the table for you, you know? And and then you you kind of have that thing. It'd just be nice that if we we're living in a society where we got caught in glances, whether it's at cleavage or butts or crotches or whatever, dongs, you know, whatever you got. It'd be nice if you could just kind of be like, yeah, I looked. Good job, by the way. You're, you're, you're quite fit. You might, is it a good diet or do you exercise a lot? And then that could be a conversation. They might say, oh, I exercise religiously. Or they could say, I could, I have good genetics. I eat like a pig and really I'm just lucky. And this is probably going to go south on me real quick soon. It just, it'd be nice if that was the case. Instead, you, you just feel weird and creepy all the time. So anyway, I'm not going to bars with mirrors anymore, I think is the moral of that story. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun. You know, the same bar, I had this both in real life and online, this interaction I'd like to share with you guys. Also, uh, this is an episode without a guest. Uh, I got something in the works that I might be doing. Eh, let's just, let's just say, let's just, you know, just put it out there. Um, so you're going to, you're going to hear some solo episodes, but there will be guests. I just feel I, I've, I've been really liking the solo freedom. I have, um, I like having a guest too but there'd be some stuff coming up. I think there might be some more guest stuff on the Patreon and whatever, but here's something that was interesting to me. I had this little bit of an argument on Twitter and in real life. I don't know how you guys feel, but if someone says to you, Hey, where are you from? How do you answer? How do you answer the question? Where are you from? I've always answered. It's been pretty easy for me though, because I was born and raised in the same city, Chicago. So if someone says where I'm from, my answer is easy. It's Chicago. Now, for those of you who have moved around, here's how I think you should answer the question, where are you from? It should be where you spent the bulk of your childhood. You know, if, if you lived it, say, say you lived in one city from zero to eight, but you lived in another one from like eight to 16. And then the last two years you went somewhere else. I think eight to 16 is where you're from because that's where you kind of came of age, so to speak. It, or it could be the answer of zero to eight. Like I said, it's tricky. Here's what 100% you cannot answer though. Your current address. I've talked to someone where I'm like, oh, where are you from? And they go, oh, I'm like three blocks from here. I'm like, you grew up three blocks from here? They're like, no, I didn't grow up three blocks from here. I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, but I live three blocks from here. I'm like, oh, hey, dummy. I didn't ask where you fucking live. I asked where you're from. When someone asks you where you're from, they never mean your current location. You're not from your current location. Well, maybe in some regard, you might be from your current location, but that's just, it's never your current address is my point. Where you're from is where you grew up. Now you could answer, oh, I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, but I was born in Detroit. I just picked two cities who have definitely seen better days. Although Detroit's turning around from what I've heard. Anyhow, though, you, that, that's, you know, I just know a lot of people who are just like, oh, I don't name it because it's always one more sentence. Like Chicagoans, I know other cities don't really have this so much. It's a weird Chicago thing. I guess it's not weird, but it's whatever. They'll say, hey, where are you from? And the answer is Elk Grove, suburb just on the other side of the airport, O'Hare Airport. And instead of saying they're from Elk Grove, they'll say they're from Chicago. And then if if the person who asked it is literally from Chicago, like myself, we always have a follow-up of, cool, what neighborhood? And then if you respond with Elk Grove, we're now like, hey, that's not a neighborhood in the city of Chicago. That's a suburb. You're from a suburb. And they go, ah, it's just easier to say I'm from Chicago. Not really. Let's try this again. Hey, where are you from? Then you answer, 
I'm from Elk Grove. It's a suburb of Chicago. See, just one more line. One more line. It's not hard. You know, and they always do a thing if I'm traveling, like if I'm in Vegas and someone asks where I'm from, I know they've never heard of Arlington Heights, Illinois. No, but you could even you could say I'm from Arlington Heights, suburb of Chicago. It's real close to the city. It's not too far. Then they go, oh, cool. I get it now. Like it's not, it's one more line every time. Because people are so it's, and here's the thing. They say it's to be easier. It's easier to say I'm from Chicago. No, 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 no. It's cooler to say you're from Chicago. That's what it is. It's cooler. And that's why you say it, you know, because guess what? I've met a million people from Michigan and of that million, I'm obviously exaggerating, but I've met a shitload of people from Michigan. They rarely say Detroit. They'll say suburbs all around Detroit though, because they know it's really not even that cool to say they're from Detroit, which I actually think it's kind of cool. I mean, Detroit's a major city. Detroit's like, you know, I know it's not one I once was, but I've had great times in Detroit and I feel like it still has this kind of cool you know, a little bit uh, blue collar toughness to it, like Detroit, Michigan, you know, Tigers and Lions and fucking Red Wings, like it's hockey USA. I don't know. It's still, I still think it's cool. If you're from Detroit, be ha- proud of where you're from. I just think if you're from the suburbs, be happy with where you're from. Don't let, look, I love being from a city. Do we make the fun of the suburbs here or there? Sure. Suburban people make fun of city people. It goes both ways. You can make fun of city people. Make fun, like, Just be happy with where you are. Now, if you live in the suburbs and you hate it, well, then, yeah, just admit it. Yeah, I live in the suburbs. It sucks, but it's, it's affordable. It's a good school district. I don't know. Whatever your thing is, is my point. I just don't understand why people always have to pretend one way or another. It's easier to say I'm from Chicago when you're not. No, it's no, you're lying is what you're doing. Are you, if you're trying to say it's easier to lie, hell yeah, I'm with you. It is 100% easier to lie. It's always easier to lie. I'll tell you this. Lying, kind of underrated. It's a little underrated in a sense. Um, I mean, obviously the truth is better. The truth will set you free, man. But, uh, you know, there are some occasions where I've caught people in a lie and then I've kind of realized, oh yeah, that was way easier for you to do that. Yeah, it's it's if it's a whole thing, if you have to explain things back and forth and, you know, feelings are involved. I know they call those white lies and those are okay. Like if someone says, do I look fat in this? You, of course, say, of course you don't look fat in this. Those are white lies. Sure. But I also understand the lie where it's like, you know, you're, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings about going to their house for something. So you just make up a real quick thing. I guess that'd be a white lie too, too. but I feel like that's acceptable. Like we're living in a society. You don't want to anything that you have to explain the hell out of yourself in a back and forth. And it's just easier to throw out a quick fib. Do that. I'm, if someone does that to me, I'm not even mad at them for it. I get it. So yeah, that's something to think about right there for you, everybody. Yeah, no, I've been feeling good about some stuff. I'm doing comedians you should know tonight. Actually, you guys listen to this on a Thursday, but I'll be doing it again next week. I got a month's worth of dates at the Laugh Factory in Chicago in November, so I'm pumped up for that. And we got Halloween coming up. You guys, Halloween people, my house. This is like the first year in my entire life where my house is like we went we went big, we went big this year. We got Jack Skellington and Sally inflatable in front of the house from the movie A Nightmare Before Christmas, which my sons love. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and they've really loved it since they were three and one. And I tell people, I'm like, my kid's like my favorite. That's my kid's favorite Halloween movie, I say. And they're like, really? Isn't that too scary for them? Nightmare Before Christmas? It seems like it'd be too scary for them. I'm like, maybe for your bitch-ass kids, but not mine. My kids are cool as fuck. 
All right. I don't know what kind of little, no, I'm just messing around. <laughs> no, they are cool as fuck. But yeah, I mean, it's usually people who don't have kids who ask that question. I it, You'd think it'd be scary, but I, I just, I've told them, you know, there's, I give them credit. They're smart kids. I'll tell them it's not real. It's fake. It's pretend. And they know that, you know, my kids aware of when people are being mean. We watched the Adams family animated movies. We just saw the sequel Adams family two in the theater about a week or so ago. And man, the Adams family theme song has been playing in my house all the last week. I keep having to be like, Alexa, play the Adams Family theme. Kids love it. They're trying to learn how to snap their fingers, but they can't. So they just go, you know, instead of, they do it with their tongue. I don't know if you guys picked that up on the mic instead of doing that. I'm a good snapper. You hear that? You hear this one? This is, I call this a double where I kind of like, my thumb like pops both fingers at the same time, middle finger and ring. Can you hear that? It's one motion, two sounds. Pretty dope. I know. I know. I do cool shit, guys. I do cool shit. So uh, in the Adams Family, the first one, all these people are like, you know, there's people like with uh, pitchforks. What do they call those people who are like, be gone, monsters. But the Adams Family, they're just a family. And my four-year-old son was like, they're not being very nice to the Adams Family. I'm like, they're not. Those are the moments that make you feel good as a parent. Because then you're like, all right, I'm raising someone who's not going to be an asshole, who's not going to be a dick. That, that feels more important than whether or not they'll be good at math. Because I really believe, I think that's, that's, that's everything. If I've learned anything over the last, I don't know, decade plus or however long, being a good person is so much more important than knowing math, science, or even any skill, any skill really. Because if you're, say you're a person with skills, you could go far, but if people hate being around you, because you're just a jerk, you're not a nice person, all that kind of stuff, you're not going to go as far as you could. You'll be okay. You got a skill. You'll be okay. But if you're someone with no skill, but you're a good person and people like you, you, you know, having you around because you're nice and all these things, you'll probably go as far as the person with skill. Now, if you could combine skill with being a really nice person and being awesome and being good to, good to people, sky's the limit for you. That's the idea right there. But it starts with the foundation of being a good person. You know, I'm sure I've, I've circled this topic once before on the podcast, but it's been a while, I believe. Every now and then, I think people get twisted with how things are. When when they say, when you see these campaigns to end bullying and people go like, oh, we're just making kids soft. It's like, no, not really. And then they'll they'll respond with, oh, I got bullied. Bullies exist. We got to teach kids to toughen up. I'm like, wouldn't it be better to teach kids not to be pricks to each other? That's not making people soft. You know, I think people have the soft thing all screwed up on who's soft and what's soft and all that. Because I think going out of your way to be a dick to someone for no reason, that's kind of a bitch move. I think that makes you a soft little bitch. Because clearly you're going through some stuff mentally and you're thinking, how could I impress the people around me? Oh, I'll go pick on that kid who's not bothering anyone and be mean to them to make these three or four people think I'm cooler. That You know what I mean? If we if you frame it that way, you realize who really are the soft bitches. The bullies are the soft bitches. And they might say, well, the bullies are tough. No, not really. A lot of the bully, Most of the bully bullies I know get their fucking heads kicked in. Because they, it's a fault. Everything's fake. They're insecure. They're, they're putting that shit out there, right? They're trying to project that they're tougher than they are and that they're cooler than they are and all that stuff when really they have no idea what the fuck they're doing and they probably have some messed up home lives. But yeah, that's a better thing. That's a better society to be like, yeah, let's stop being pricks to each other. 
Maybe, maybe try that. Yeah, people just seem to have it, it twisted a little bit. They kind of they they bring in the no the let's put an end to bullying. They put that in with the participation trophies, and they kind of try to meld that all together to try to create this we're all soft like like line of thinking, you know, which I just don't see it. The participation trophy thing cracks me up too because I played T ball in 1992 when I was like seven or eight. I got a participation trophy. Guess what? It didn't make me less competitive. It really didn't. I, I, cause I, I still wanted to keep playing. You, you get competitive cause you like to be good and you want to win. I've never seen someone who was super competitive, get a trophy and then be like, Oh, so I don't have to try anymore. I just get that. I've never seen that. It's a weird thing to think the participation trophy for the most part is just for little, little kids to kind of be like, Hey, congratulations on finishing. It's like the perfect attendance award. You know, perfect. Obviously, you could get straight D's, and but if you're there every day, they'll give you the perfect attendance award. But guess what, though? Perfect attendance award is a good award. Because I used to not think it was a good award. I used to be like, "Oh, big deal! They showed up every day." Ugh, you know. But and maybe people should be taking the days off if you're sick, actually. And maybe there's some kid out there who's getting everyone sick because he's like, "I got to get perfect attendance, mom." I don't know, but it's still a good thing to motivate kids with because the idea is, before you accomplish anything in life, before you accomplish anything in life you need to show up right there's that old saying history is made by those who show up so to encourage people to show up every day that's a good thing because that could have an effect in a domino effect in other parts of their life like oh you want to get good at piano gotta show up to practice every day you got to put in the time you want to be good at baseball you got to show up to practice on time you got to do the extra work you got to do all that and i think the foundation of the perfect attendance award or using that as motivation is a good thing and I don't think the participation trophy is that bad. Anyway, I don't know. I think people just take like, you know, all, all you need is just a few fairly influential people in your life to start talking shit about a thing and people immediately accept it. And I get it. People are tired. They got a lot going on. They don't want to do all the investigative work themselves. So you just, you know, you're sitting around, right? Just long day at work, having a beer at home. Maybe you pop open your phone. Someone shares an article about like, you know, oh, this school doesn't have the playoffs anymore. They they banned playoffs for sixth graders. And you're like, wait a minute, we had the playoffs in sixth grade. What the fuck? Jesus, society's going to shit. When really it was one school who did that. And if you would have clicked on the article, maybe you would have heard the reason behind it. Maybe, I don't, I, I don't know. My point is there's usually more to it. The world is not black and white. It's not. It's gray. Everything you see. If you, if you see something that is, comes off as super obvious, it's probably not. It's really not. The simplest things are never simple. I oh, Whenever I see something, I go, mm, that's too easy. That can't be the case. I look into it. There you go. You know, great example. Chicago Sun-Times, all these newspapers nowadays are all rags anyway, because they've, the internet did destroy them in a lot of sense. And the journalism has suffered. There are still great journalists out there. Don't get me wrong. But what happened was, you know, the newspaper was 50 cents. Go to walk down to the corner, put in two quarters in a machine, you get a newspaper. Or go to newspaper stand, whatever the hell it is. Then the internet came around, and then they started putting the articles on the internet for free. And then more and more people switched to the internet, and they were getting articles for free. And then they realized, oh, we should have them pay for this. And then people are like, well, we're not paying for that, you know. And then instead of just making money off the advertisements on the website, which is no, which is what they realized they had to do. Actually, they had to make money off of clicks, so they needed people to click on it. That's the, obviously you guys know the history of clickbait, but that's really what destroyed the press in the United States more than anything. 
and they go where the money is. Now, that TV show, The Newsroom, which was an HBO show about, I don't know, six, seven years ago now, maybe, there was an episode early on where it said the government gave the airwaves to the public with the condition that you had to have the news. But they didn't say you couldn't have commercials during the news. So if they would have just said every network, we're going to give it to you because the government did discover that stuff. We, have, we forget every now and then the government does do some good things. And they gave it over to the people and they said, all right, you have to inform the public. They should have said it's got to be commercial free. That way, in order to get people to watch the show after the news, because people are less likely to change the channel at that point. So that was their whole gimmick. They could have just been the most informative and the most true and the most honest and had the best batting average in terms of we're always consistently honest. Now, even honest journalists will make a mistake here or there. You know, they do their best. They think they have got the sources. They, they fact check three times and then it turns out, you know, they, they, something was wrong, right? That happens from time to time. But you have major news networks who are constantly redacting things or, or retracting, I should say, and being like, oh, okay, we said, you know, but then it's too late. It's already out there. I saw a video being shared recently where it was a guy from Pfizer. They asked, the, the journalist goes, have you taken the vaccine yet? And he said, no. And then people are like, look, the Pfizer guys didn't take it. Yeah, because at the t that was from January. And then the rest of the interview, he said, I will take it as soon as I'm eligible. I don't want to cut in the line in front of anyone, even though he could have because he was like a higher up in Pfizer. But they made it seem like, oh, my God, the guy from Pfizer won't even take the vaccine. What does that tell you, sheep? Huh? This guy won't even do it. It's like, no, this clip was taken out of context. And the person who shared it is never going to then tell the million of people who watched that video or shared it themselves. Oh, by the way, this was manipulated. This isn't what happened. He is fully vaccinated now. This is an old video that I'm repurposing to make a new video. This is called propaganda. Like there's just no one will come out and say that on either side. Right. And it definitely happens way more on one side, though, if we're being honest. Statistical evidence will just show that. But I was bringing up the newspapers and how when I see something that just seems a little bit too like, really, you got to ask yourself this. Go, really? Why? Asking yourself why. Why is a big thing? I'll get back to that in one second. The, the importance of asking why. So the newspaper, the Chicago Sun-Times, they posted a thing. It's a while back now. I was living in Los Angeles still, so maybe 2016. And it's and it was my neighbor, the neighbor I grew up in. Uh, I miss that neighborhood, actually. Anyway, though, the, it said, man shot in Portage Park. And the neighborhood's called Porch Park. And there's also a park called Porch Park. It's big, beautiful, like uh, square mile park. And it had like Olympic size pool, a great park. And when you read a headline that says man shot in Porch Park, it makes you think a man was jogging through Porch Park or walking or sitting on a bench enjoying a sandwich. And someone walked up and shot him and killed him. I don't think the guy got killed, just got shot. That's not what it was. But everyone was sharing it on Facebook, especially. That's the one where people just refuse to read past the headline. That's the biggest one of all of them. Sharing it, basically saying like, hey, can you believe this? Can't even, can't even go to the park anymore. The guy wasn't shot in the park. He was shot in an apartment that really was in the next neighborhood over. But the next neighborhood over doesn't have as many residents and isn't as popular as Portage Park. So they just said Portage Park because they knew it would get more clicks. Also, at the end of the article, it said police believe gunshot wound was self-inflicted, which means Dickhead was playing with a gun and shot himself. He was the man shot in Portage Park. How misleading is that headline? It makes people believe a man was in the park and got shot by another person when really he was at his own home in the next neighborhood over, not in a park, at about one in the morning. And shot himself. But guess what? 
the headline douchebag shoots self in leg doesn't get as many clicks is the vagueness of man shot in major park in major city. Holy shit. You can't go anywhere, honey, pack up the van. We're moving to the burbs. Like they're it's just not there. So yeah. So back to the asking why been playing poker lately guys. And the why is something I need to remember more, but I've noticed there's been, you know, the next day after playing poker, I don't know if any gamblers are out there, but poker is such a skill game. I, I think this might work with other games too in your life or moments in your life. I think you could really, Take this and, and use this and apply it in anything in what you do. Asking why. Remember losing this one hand, or at the end of the hand, I called it, even though in my brain, I'm like, I think he hit the straight. I figured he was on a draw, and he was on a straight draw, or no, a flush draw. Um, he had like 10 jack of diamonds, and there was two diamonds out there already. There was some good betting. I had just like top pair with a good kicker. These are poker terms. If you don't know, a kicker is your second card. So I had like queen ace or something. Anyhow, um, the turn came at 10 and the river came at 10. So he had 10, like I think, again, Jack of Diamonds or 10, 8 of Diamonds. So he was looking for another diamond, but he got two more 10s. So he tripped his 10s, which beat my top pair. But then he bet only three more bucks or something like that. We were we played pretty low stakes. Maybe he bet five bucks um, on the at the end. And so it's like, all right, five more bucks for me to call. It's a good-sized pot. I get to see what he has. But if I would have asked myself at any point, why is he only betting $5 right now? Five bucks isn't enough to get me to fold. It's like, well, yeah, dummy. He doesn't want you to fold. He believed he had you beat. He was strong. So that means you better have more than just top pair. You know what I mean? He could easily have two pairs. He could easily have this. He could have that, you know, like there was a lot. He could top pair was not good at the end of that hand. And I should have known that. But instead I said to myself, ah, it's only five more bucks. So that was a bad play on my end. And even though I still won pretty well overall on the night, I think about that hand thinking, could have could have you know had more could have could have saved five bucks the idea is to win as much money as possible not see people down um i had a feeling he had hit maybe a straight draw i didn't i thought about the flush and then i'm like maybe he missed the flush and he's representing he had the flush and then i thought maybe he didn't bet big because he wants it to appear that he's really got it. he's confident but he had shown no signs of that throughout the rest of the night so i you know but but either way i never asked myself why did he only bet five i didn't Instead, that's what you have to ask yourself in so many things. Why, 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 you know, and I know that's what all the, all the other people, a lot of big conspiracy people are like, how come you sheep don't ask why, 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 why at the end of the day, again, I don't get very, I try to keep this fun. You know what I mean? When I go solo, I only do half an hour. When I have a guest, I do an hour or so, but I try to keep this fun. I, you know, I want to laugh with you guys. I want to goof around and talk about checking out butts, you know what I mean? And, and all sorts of other silly stuff. But sometimes I feel like there's some important things to think about. And when I come across these thoughts, I go, you know what? I got this. I got some listeners and hopefully they could appreciate this. If the government was trying to kill you, which I never believe the government actually wants to kill people or their own citizens. I believe the government wants to kill other citizens all the time. Um, and I know there's been scenarios where like, you know, World War II, Germany wanted to kill, although Nazis took over Germany and then they used that to kill um, Jewish people, which obviously we know is terrible. But the United States government, this idea that COVID and the vaccine and they're going to track, first of all, they don't need to track you. We all have trackers in our pockets. Our cell phones already do that way better than anything in your body could. For real, honestly, for real. <laughs> that that part will always make me laugh. You know, they're tracking, it's a chip. Or if they're trying to spin the population herd, all that kind of stuff. Look, they don't want less people. 
There's a reason when you have a kid, you get a tax break. The government wants more people. Have you not noticed that every so many businesses have help wanted signs now? They want more people because then it's more tax dollars. More tax dollars means more fucking money they could potentially steal from you. There's your conspiracy that actually makes a little bit of sense. If people are dead, they can't, you know what I mean? There's, where's the revenue coming from then? Our whole society, capitalism thrives on workers, thrives on a growing population. It 100% does. Every huge capitalist will tell you that you need more things for the family, incentives for family, pro-family. We got to get families working. We got to have, you know, the kids and we need this. That's what their whole thing is based on. So they would never go out of their way to kill people. Like it's just not, they might kill a couple people here or there. They're talking shit. Someone's getting on to them. If I die mysteriously soon, you'll know it's because of everything I just said. Okay. I want you guys to be aware of that. All right, everyone. Thank you. This can be the podcast for this week. Thank you for checking out the Joe Kill Gallon podcast, AKA Kill Gallon's pub. Become a Patreon member for as little as $3 a month. Got some really good stuff there. If you're in that top tier, you get a credit on podcast clips. I'm about to release the audio for Patreon, but the clip should be on YouTube. I did my take on the Dave Chappelle special. It's not really even a take. It's more like some advice, I feel like. So hopefully uh, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. All that good stuff. You guys be good to each other. Have a good weekend. And uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. And as always, cheers.